Hello, everybody, and welcome into the VR2 on Sports Illustrated podcast. I am your host, Jack Foster, joined by Matt Ray from SI. So what's going on, Matt? Jack, man, just enjoying a Saturday, getting ready for some news to break and getting ready for the Mother's Day weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, this edition of the VR2 on SI podcast is brought to you by Acker Travel Company by Dream Vacations. Looking to book travel this summer but don't want to do all the work? Contact our friends Beth and Price at Acker Travel Company and let them do the work for you. Acker Travel Company is currently sending you a $50 Visa gift card to book with them. What's there to lose? Give them a call now and find that dream vacation. All right, Matt, to start the show, we're going to get into some news about recent UT commits. First, ter- first talking about three-star tight end Brody Foley out of Cincinnati. So, Matt, how do you see Foley impacting the Vols offense? Yeah, Foley obviously just announced his commitment just a little while ago, but he is a guy that Tennessee's got to campus a couple of times, several other schools starting to emerge into the pitchers. So, you know, really credit Alex Golashier for, for being able to close his recruitment out in kind of a hurry. Foley really – fell in love with Tennessee's campus the first time that he was down. I talked to him for a pretty good bit after that visit. And and this is a guy that just, you know, he loved everything he saw. He he raved about every part of that visit. Comes back for the spring game, continues to see that high-tempo offense, gets to see it open up a little bit more, see the tight ends in action. This is a guy that he's not going to pop off the charts right away. He's not, you know, a four-star, top 100 tight end. There's not many of those out there to begin with. But when you talk about Brody Foley, this is a guy that has a really nice frame, a really solid work ethic, handles his business on and off the field, and he's really just scratching the surface of his potential in terms of football. He hasn't had a lot of development at the high school level. He will admittedly tell you that. But with Alex Golesh, you should be excited for him to go into this area and, and get a tight end. He's done it so many times before that this is going to be one of his first guys and the first pieces that you see. And you saw him turn guys at Iowa State into All-Americans. Foley is going to be a guy that is just willing to do anything that Tennessee asks him. He can play in line. He can flex into the slot. He's a very willing blocker. But he has very nice hands. He's a very nice pass catcher, has a nice frame going to be somebody that's going to create a mismatch, you know, against smaller safeties walking down into the box and linebackers that, you know, aren't going to be able to run and body with him. So it's going to make a really nice impact for Tennessee in this class. Tennessee's, you know, two offensive commits coming right there from the Midwest kind of. So for the Vols, this is a really nice pickup in Brody Foley, a guy that's going to walk in, going to be committed, going to peer recruit for you. And, and you beat out some other, you know, really good teams, teams that like to use the tight end in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Auburn, Kentucky. So you beat out some teams that really wanted Brody Foley to get into the boat. Really nice pickup for Tennessee. Really nice addition. This is a guy that Tennessee fans should be excited about, even though he doesn't pop off the charts right away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely looking forward to see how the tight ends on the balls offense do this year. We saw them heavily involved in the orange and white game. So I think that Heupel is going to incorporate a lot of tight ends um, with his offense in 2021. So it's going to be great to see. All right. And uh, sticking with the Vols offense here, uh, four-star quarterback Taven Jackson from Center Grove, Indiana, has committed to UT. So, Matt, how will that shake up the quarterback situation? Well, I think when you look at Jackson, this is – it's almost a perfect marriage for him and Josh Heupel. 
this is a guy that's looking to to go somewhere. He he blossomed late in the process, really started to roll in some steam coming out of winters. Probably one of the you know hottest overall recruits in the country at one point. Uh, Josh Heupel, you know, just getting to Tennessee, looking to get his guy. The Tennessee staff feels like that's Taven Jackson. There's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of energy around Taven Jackson, but the Tennessee staff feels like this is a guy that they can build not only this class around, but the future of their program around, a guy that they think is going to be a, a high draft pick one day. And, you know, we we see that in every recruiting cycle sometimes. But this is a guy that, that Josh Heupel, a quarterback whisperer, is, is very high on, you know, Taven Jackson's coaches will tell you, Taven will tell you, these are, these are guys, he is a guy that, that Tennessee thinks is just scratching the surface of his potential, but is already a very special player. So, you know, coming in, let's see what happens with the quarterback situation at Tennessee this year, because to me, that's, that's going to be one of the best storylines in all of SEC football. You've got Harrison Bailey, the former five-star who has starting experience and who won the day at the spring game, but maybe wasn't the best quarterback all the way through spring. Um, you've got Joe Milton coming in, who's looking to play, looking to play fast. That's what sold him on coming to Tennessee. You've got Hendon Hooker, who came in with Jeremy Pruitt's staff, but has a tremendous amount of starting experience. You've got Brian Mauer, who's a fan favorite, who has sent jolts through the team at different times and can really make some plays, but, you know, has his own times where he, he makes, you know, not such great plays. So that quarterback situation this year is going to be very interesting to see how things play out. And then you add Tate and Jackson into the mix, a guy that this staff believes is their guy and that they fully recruited and they fully recruited around, you know, for a full recruiting cycle. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Tate and Jackson shakes that up. Who can, who can win that job this year? Can somebody win that job and put a true, you know, stronghold on it? Or is it going to be shaky when Jackson comes in? I think that's going to be the biggest question. But this is a kid that's a competitor. He's a really natural athlete. He is an uh, exceptional golfer. He runs track at Center Grove. He's the best basketball player in the region up there. And then he just tears it up on the football field. So this is a kid that, that's really special. Chose Josh Hoppel and company over several schools, including you know Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. And it really came down to the fact that he felt he would be better developed here. And that's the message that he conveyed to those around him and those other coaches that were recruiting him. So it's going to be a big shakeup. You know, I think when Taven Jackson does get to campus, it's the kid that's coming to play and the kid that this Tennessee staff has bought into. Nice, nice. Um, sticking with Jackson, say, you know, say he did uh, start under center for this Josh Heupel offense. What kind of – would you expect a different type of style with Jackson under center as opposed to either Maurer or Bailey? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, Jackson's a bigger kid. He's, he's a natural athlete. He's up to about one, he's six, five, six, four, six, five, one ninety-five right now. You know, he's a guy that can probably get up to two fifteen, two twenty pretty easily. So he's still you know, very mobile. He's a natural athlete. He's a natural athlete outside of the pocket. He moves well. He's got a quick release, but the thing about him is he can drive the ball down the field, and as he continues to add that weight, and it will be good weight as he adds it, he's only going to get stronger. That ball's only going to leave a little bit faster. So this is a guy that, at the end of the day, I think he can do a lot of things that Josh Hopple wants him to do. He can run the RPO. 
he's got enough athleticism to make teams at least honor him with his legs. He's not going to be a guy that's, you know, going to beat you. He's not going to be a Johnny Manziel running around back there making all kinds of plays. But he's a guy that if he gets up to 6'5", 215, 220, you're going to have to wrap him up or he can move the sticks. And and for me, I think that's what Josh Hopple's looking for. I think there's a little bit of a misconception on the mobile quarterback with him. I think any coach is always going to love to have a mobile quarterback. But I think for Josh Hopple, you've got to have a quarterback that's accurate, understands your system, can run with that tempo, can put mistakes behind him, and ultimately move the chains. When you're playing in this fast-paced style offense, you can't go three and out multiple times. You you can't you've got to hit the easy throws. You've got to make those throws. You've got to have your guys in the right situations. You can't get behind the chains because your defense is eventually going to wear out. And and for me, I think Jacks can do a lot of those things. Very sharp mentally. He you know has a very good work ethic. I think all the guys that are on this team right now can do all those things. So I think it's going to be a very interesting quarterback dynamic for Josh Hoppel. But at the same time, who better to handle it than Josh Hoppel? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I completely agree with you about, you know, one of the hottest storylines of the SEC. This Tennessee quarterback situation is going to be really fun to watch. Probably the thing I'm most excited about with this football program going into the fall. Um, but continuing with the Vols offense, uh, the Vols landed transfer, do-it-all wide receiver Chaponte Payton from Mississippi State. So what kind of impact do you see Payton having uh, on the Vols offense this year? Well, I think there's some question marks out there about Payton in terms of, you know, why do you bring this kid in? He only has one year left. He wasn't ultra productive at Mississippi State. But to me, I think there's a lot of reasons you bring Javante Payton in. Number one, he's a guy that can stretch the field vertically, which we saw that Tennessee wants to do and is going to do under John Schaupel. We got a first-hand look at that in the, in the, in the orange and white game, Jack. Um, but they do they have that true threat on the field right now? To me, the answer is no. I, I don't think Bayless – I think Bayless Jones can stretch the field. I think Jalen Hott can stretch the field. But you're talking about a guy that can go down the field and win 50-50 jump balls on a consistent basis. I think, to me, they don't have that yet. Malachi Wideman is a guy that obviously has all the talent in the world, but he's not there yet. You know, Cedric Tillman, he has the, the physicality to, to be a jump ball down the field receiver. And, and maybe he emerges a little bit more for the Vols. But I still don't think they have that guy that has those true, you know, exceptional ball skills that Cody Burns wants in a receiver here. And I think Javante Payton is a guy that they can bring in. And in one year, he can make an impact in that way for Tennessee. It allows you to move Bayless Jones around. It allows you to move Jalen Hyde around. It allows you to, to create a little bit more of a combination in that receiver room. And it, it just, to me, it ultimately frees some guys up if Javante Payton comes in and does what the Tennessee staff expects of him and gets on the field and can be a vertical threat. To me, at Mississippi State, yeah, was he ultra-productive? No. But Michael Leach with K.J. Costello wasn't throwing, you know, 30, 40, 50-yard bombs down the field and letting Payton attack and high point the football. They were throwing underneath. They're throwing quick hitters. That's not Javante Payton's game. It's just – that, that's not it, and I don't think he was ever going to flourish there as a receiver. If you go back and look at his tape in high school, he excels as a leaper, high-pointing the ball. He does the same thing in junior college. Yeah, he can work underneath like most you know, most guys at this level can work 
in, in all different phases. But where Peyton excels is down the field at the second and third level, working on defensive backs in, in one-on-one situations. And I think that's something that Tennessee needs. And I think that's something they've got in Javante Payton. And not to mention the fact that he has a ton of special teams value. So this is this is a really nice pickup for Tennessee as well. I know some people are questioning in the why are you bringing in a guy with one year left? But I think there's plenty of reason to bring Javante Payton in here. So you think he'll be close to an every down player? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see Payton on the field uh, a good bit this fall. I mean, I think when you look at him, I think he had some options out there other than Tennessee. And I think ultimately, you know, Tennessee's a spot where he feels like he can get on the field, play one year, and have a chance to go to the league. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be a, a first, second, third-round guy, but can he, you know, slide into those late rounds, you know, playing in Josh Hobble's offense? Certainly. Certainly he can. So, I think you're going to see Javante Payton have, you know, this is a money season for him, and, and that usually means a lot to guys. So, this is a guy that's going to be on the field. He's willing to play special teams. You know, he's going to be – I think he's going to be on the field on the edge a lot for Tennessee. Nice. Um, all right, Matt, do you have any more updates for us on the transfer portal? You know, yeah, there's – the transfer portal, and I've talked about this for a while, is obviously changing the landscape of, of college football, how we view college football. And when you look at what Tennessee's done in the transfer portal and, and what's happened to Tennessee in the transfer portal, it, it's crazy because, I mean, you see 20-something guys go out of the program, but then – you know, you've got guys coming in and you see Josh Hopple quickly building some steam and building some energy around this program when he adds guys like Jawan Mitchell, Joe Milton, Javante Payton. And, you know, Tennessee is involved with, with still several other guys with, with at least one spot or two left to, to bring guys in in this class. The DeJon Terry out of Meridian, Mississippi, just transferred from Kansas is a guy that a lot of schools across the country love now that he's in the transfer portal. Tennessee's in the thick of things there. You know, there's going to be other guys that Tennessee's going to get involved with. I think you're going to see guys continue to enter the transfer portal in the coming weeks. So it's it's a very fluid situation. I think the Vols are <clears throat> very well in the thick of it, you know, for DeJon Terry. I think there's still work to be done there. He's a quiet kid. He only played one year of high school football. He went to Kansas, red shirt of the year, and then started to break out last year during the COVID season. This is a this is a kid that's got a really, really good story and a kid that teams across the country are very excited about. He has four years left. He's, he's technically still a red shirt freshman because of the blanket eligibility rule last year. So you're going to see a lot of teams involved for him. You know, I think Tennessee's going to continue to, to, you know, kick the tires on some guys. But we'll see, you know, where things go. I think Jay Hardy and Jaron Handy both entering the transfer portal from Auburn were guys that, that Tennessee fans thought that, you know, they might make a run at because of the former relationships with Rodney Garner and then Cody Burns being on staff. So some familiarity there. And then obviously everybody's familiar with Jay Hardy's recruitment and and the behind the scenes that, that went on there in terms of him kind of shunning the balls and, and we won't go down that road. But you know, that's I, I don't think that's the case right now. I don't think Tennessee's I don't think Tennessee's that interested in Jay Hardy at this point. I, I think that DeJon Terry's probably the guy that they're targeting the hardest to address some more needs on the defensive line. I 
you know, I can't really speak to why the Vols aren't in on Hardy because I don't know the entire reasoning on it, but I haven't heard enough there to suggest that the Vols are in on Hardy and, and same with Handy. So and I think it's an interesting situation. I think the transfer portal's fluid and, you know, if, if they were to miss on DeJon Terry, does that suddenly change things for Jay Hardy? I don't know. We'll see. But the transfer portal is interesting, Jack. And, and I think right now DeJon Terry's priority number one in there for the Vols as they continue to assess some needs and decide where they need to go, you know, to try to get things as, as close to a normal, you know, roster as they can heading into 2021. Right. Yeah. As transfer portals hard to keep up with Matt. I don't know how you do all that, but uh, so we're going to shift gears here and get into some news about a recent quick NFL draft recap uh, dealing with two former balls who got drafted as Trey Smith got selected by the Kansas city chiefs all the way in the sixth round. He was one of, if not the major follower of the draft. And then Josh Palmer uh, got selected by the Los Angeles chargers in the third round. So Matt, what are your thoughts on Trey Smith and Josh Palmer's new homes? Well, I'll start with Palmer. I think if you go back and look at his comments, he he hadn't even talked to the Chargers much in the draft process. So I think he was probably a little surprised. I was a little surprised to see him go as early as he did. But I think Josh Palmer does a lot of things well. I think Josh Palmer has the ability to be a really complete NFL receiver. And I think the Chargers are an ideal fit for him. I think you look at that offense, Justin Herbert, those guys that they've got on the edge already, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I think I think Palmer is, you know, that big, strong receiver who can rip the ball out of the air with his hands, take a hit through contact. I think he fits perfect with those guys. I'm really excited to see Josh Palmer play for the Chargers this fall. And then, you know, as you mentioned, Trey Smith, ultimately the surprise of the draft to many, um, when he got down to the sixth round, I – I kind of started to think, oh, wait a minute, Trey, Trey might not even get drafted, but it might be best if he doesn't. Because when you get to that point, you don't want, you know, it's almost better to go to a team that you can pick your team type situation. If he goes an undrafted free agent, you're going to be able to pick your team. And at the end of the day, had Trey have gone undrafted, I think he would have had every team in the league would have been, you know, reaching out. But Teams obviously had their hesitations. I think Trey answered all the necessary questions this past year to show that his health was there. And I think the Chiefs absolutely got the steal of the draft in Trey Smith. It would not surprise me if he's starting on that revamped offensive line come next year. And what an exciting situation for him to go to Kansas City, get to play with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, that group of guys, the Honey Badger on defense, you know, a group of guys that are going to be back in the AFC Championship, if not the Super Bowl, every year for the next couple of, you know, next two, three, four years at least. That's a team that, you know, is one of the most watched in the NFL right now, one of the most exciting teams in the NFL, and what an opportunity for Trey Smith, even though he fell in the draft, to get to go to Kansas City and get into an organization like that be coached by a guy like Andy Reid. I don't think he could have ended up in any better of a situation despite the fact that he fell so far in the draft. And, you know, kudos to Kansas City for, for you know, saying, hey, we're not waiting any longer. This is this is our guy, and, and we just got to steal the draft. And they've been very vocal in thinking that that's what they did. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, 
you know, Trey Smith's probably going to be working harder than anyone. You know, you saw where he wasn't too happy about falling, but he's definitely going to be working hard for Kansas City, like I said, with that revamped offensive line. And uh, just found Patrick Mahomes, so I'm stoked. You know, the offseason's been going great. Draft went great. They drafted another offensive line earlier on in the draft. So Trey Smith's going to be joining a ensemble cast. And I, I think it actually worked out for him. I mean, you go a second round to, you know, lackluster team, third round to a lackluster team. He went to the sixth round, and now he's with a great team. So, yeah, I, I just think Trey Smith is actually going to end up painting out, even though he went in the sixth round, and people will soon forget that, actually. Um, and just about Josh Palmer, I wanted to add, Mike Williams will be an unrestricted free agent in 2022. And to be honest, I mean, he went seventh overall in the draft. Hasn't really worked out as their big man guy. He's only had 1,000 yards uh, once. So I think when Mike Williams probably leaves L.A., they got a big guy with Josh Palmer who can also do other things um, for Justin Herbert. You know, he's got probably he's I think he's faster than Mike Williams for sure. And he can play under better and Keenan Allen's only getting older. So I think Josh Palmer could be a real surprise in the NFL, even as a rookie. Um, I think he could be even though he went earlier than expected, I still think he could be a steal in the third round come three years later down the road when he's having thousand yard seasons. So I'm excited to see how Palmer fits in with LA. Um, all right. And then another Vol who actually got signed uh, as an undrafted free agent with Bryce Thompson signing with the New Orleans Saints. He meets up with former Vols Marquez Callaway, Shai Tuttle, and of course, Alvin Kamara. And Matt, the Saints have built, like they have this recent history of valuing overlooked players from Rocky Top and essentially turning them into stars, especially with Kamara, of course. So do you think Thompson could make an impact with the Saints? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's a great shock that Bryce Thompson went undrafted. Uh, I, I won't say that. I think I think that uh, most people knew he was, you know, going to be a late third round or a late third day pick if he was to come off the board. Um, yeah, he he did some really good things at Tennessee, but you know he he has some other issues that he's had to handle and go through. He was banged up last fall. Uh, I think he helped himself showing off some position versatility. But, you know, again, Mickey Loomis just – this is a guy that just goes down the Tennessee clearance hall, clearance hall and just racks up. He just, he just continues to make great, you know, additions from the University of Tennessee. He's done it with Shy Tuttle. He's done it with Marquez Callaway. They stole Alvin Kamara when they did. You know, can Bryce Thompson be next? I think there's a lot of, you know, pieces there to help him, a lot of guys that can, you know, say, hey, this is how we did this. He's obviously going to know Marquez. He'll be able to connect with Sean and Alvin. So, for me, can Bryce Thompson find his fit in New Orleans? I think that it's an ideal situation for him with what they do with their defensive backs, how exotic they get, how many different types of formations they play. I think Bryce Thompson can absolutely make the 53-man and and become a key contributor for the Saints as an undrafted free agent. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. He's a guy that has – Really natural ball skills. I think he's got special teams value. He's electric with the ball in his hands. So, yeah, it would not surprise me a bit if Bryce Thompson isn't the next Tennessee volunteer to become a star for the Saints. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be exciting to watch these former Vols in the NFL. But, uh, Matt, sadly, one player we will not be able to watch in 2021 is former Vol Jawan James. And, uh, Matt, just what do you make of that whole situation with James? 
yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the NFL is a business, and it, it's a strange situation with him, you know, tearing his Achilles outside of the practice facility there, and you know, now the issue comes of is Denver going to pay him? You know, and to me, I think the answer will ultimately end up being yes. I think I think Denver's going to pay him. I don't know if it's going to be the full $10 million, but this is just, you know, my thoughts. I think Denver will end up paying him something. And I think Patrick Mahomes, you know, touch, going back to the Chiefs, I think Patrick Mahomes, you know, kind of hit the nail on the head. He said, oh, you're going to, you know, penalize him for working out during the offseason and, and trying to stay in shape. So, I mean, ultimately that's what it comes down to. These guys are professionals. They do so much every day. You know, it's not like Jawan James sat out to, to tear his Achilles on that day. You know, he he's probably working with a trainer that he's worked with, you know, a hundred other times. You add in the dynamic that he missed, you know, last season due to an opt-out and, you know, he had the recent birth of a child was the reason behind that decision. But, you know, ultimately I think if you're Denver, you've still got, you know, a lot invested in this guy. If you believe in his future, you know, you're going to have to, you know, pay him. And I, I think that's what will happen. But, it's going to be an interesting situation to to see unfold. It's it's definitely made its rounds on social media, and everybody's kind of weighed in. I think Denver Walton would play, pay him. I think that's an organization that's made a lot of really smart moves in the past. You know, John Elway there. I, I think they'll take care of Jawan James, a guy who was just a star at Tennessee, and while his NFL career you know, hasn't always it's been a little hit or miss here and there. I think this is a guy that still has, you know, the potential to to be have a really, really bright future in the NFL. And I, I think Denver will, you know, make things right with him in the end. All right, Matt. Uh, that will do it for this edition of the VR2 on SI podcast. Keep up with us right here for new episodes every weekend. For Matt Ray, I'm Jack Foster, and I guess we'll see you next time, Matt. Yeah, Jack, have a good Mother's Day weekend. We'll see you next time. You too, man. All right, everybody, we'll see you next time.